At the Grammys on Sunday, a great crime against humanity occurred with the entire world watching. Adele won the top Grammy, leaving Beyonce, the greatest human being who has ever graced our planet, out in the cold again. Why? Why, God? Why? Racism! Never mind that Adele's 25 was the top-selling album of the year while Beyonce's Lemonade showed up at number four. Adele had to apologize to Beyonce for winning the album of the year, and then she split her Grammy in half and said, quote, I can't possibly accept this award. The Lemonade album was just so monumental. Yes, Lemonade is groundbreaking. Beethoven-esque, a work of heartbreaking genius with which only heaven or heaven's angel could have seen fit to grace us. Who else but Queen Bee could have given us these immortal lines? Y'all haters corny with that Illuminati mess. Paparazzi, catch my fly and my cocky fresh. The echoes of Shakespeare ring in every romantic lyric. So, why wouldn't artists of color naturally assume that Adele's victory at the Grammys represents a new form of Jim Crow? Here's the New York Times, quote, Before the 59th annual Grammy Awards on Sunday, the music industry murmured about what it might mean for Adele to once again sweep the top awards, leaving Beyonce snubbed in the major categories and with her third loss for Album of the Year. Having long faced accusations that the Grammys overlook young, progressive black artists, the last woman to win Album of the Year was Lauryn Hill in 1999, the Recording Academy faced a potential backlash for going all-in on a white, traditionalist choice like Adele. In the last five years especially, albums by Frank Ocean, Mr. Lamar, and Beyoncé have been passed over for the top award in favor of releases by white artists Mumford & Sons, Daft Punk, Beck, Taylor Swift, and Adele. So, now the Grammys are just another repository of white racism. But it's not enough that everyone in the music industry must pay tribute to Beyonce. It's not enough for the top-selling artist on the planet to bow before Beyonce, as required under international law. No, the Grammys must be boycotted until they recognize that incredibly rich, incredibly beautiful, world-famous black people have to win awards. Otherwise, they are just Bull Connor. Does anyone wonder why our culture is falling apart? Why the social fabric is fraying? We can't even listen to music or watch a silly music awards show without being hit with Colin Kaepernick lectures on the legacies of slavery, even while the whole world falls prostrate before the glories of Juju, celebrating ancient fertility rituals reenacted on stage as New Testament living tableaus. Yes, Hollywood clearly has a problem, but it isn't racism, it's race-based stupidity. I'm Ben Shapiro, this is The Ben Shapiro Show. Alrighty, so we will get to General Flynn's ouster in just one second, and there's a lot to talk about there because it's a very confusing and confused story. There are a lot of angles to it, so we're going to analyze it from every single available angle as we are apt to do. But first, we have to say thank you to our friends over at ZipRecruiter. So if you are an employer and you are looking for a solid employee, you could scour the job boards, you could put out an ad in the classifieds, or what you could do is you could post your job to 200 plus job sites using ZipRecruiter.com, and that includes Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. You can find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. You post once, and you watch the candidates roll on into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface, and you can quickly screen candidates, and you can rate them, and you can hire the right person fast using that ZipRecruiter interface. It's been used by Fortune 100 companies all over the world, and thousands of small and medium-sized businesses as well. We will definitely be using it over here at The Daily Wire. Right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free, for free, by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. So you get the whole shebang for free. You can post those jobs for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Use slash Daily Wire because that enables you to to let them know that we sent you. And uh, also you get that, that free service. You actually get to put up the job for free and make sure that you can fill that slot that you desperately need to fill. That's what ZipRecruiter is for. Highly recommend them. 
Okay, so lots of chaos last night. So it's always irritating when news breaks really late at night because I'm all ready to go to bed and my kids have stopped being a pain in the butt long enough for me to actually relax a little bit. And then Donald Trump fires his national security advisor and all hell breaks loose. So, <laughs> I love my children, but they didn't let me sleep a lot last night. Neither, it turns out, did Mike Flynn and, and Donald Trump. So last night, very late, Donald Trump fires Mike Flynn. So they're saying that Mike Flynn resigned and then Trump accepted the resignation. It's the same difference. It doesn't really make a difference. Bottom line is the national security advisor, he he submitted his resignation and Donald Trump accepted the resignation, which raises a question. What exactly did Michael Flynn do? So you may have noticed that here on the Ben Shapiro show, we have not been covering the unfolding Michael Flynn saga at all, at all. And that's a conscious choice. And the reason it's a conscious choice is because there was no evidence that anything super wrong happened. There are a bunch of kind of rumors that maybe Flynn had talked to the Russians about sanctions before he was actually national security advisor while Obama was still president. And then he had denied those rumors. And then the FBI had investigated and they said they found nothing untoward. And so we didn't cover any of that because it just seemed like a lot of back and forth. And frankly, even if it had come out that national security advisor General Michael Flynn had spoken with the Russian ambassador about sanctions, I don't think it's that big a deal. I don't. I mean, he was going to be the national security advisor in like three weeks. Trump was going to be president in three weeks. Barack Obama was openly offering flexibility to the Russians in the middle of an election campaign as president of the United States. In 2008, Barack Obama reached out to the Iranian government before he was president to tell them to just hold on. He was coming to help. So I didn't see that any of this as, as a big deal. Like, I, don't, I, I still don't understand what the huge deal here was. Here's sort of the timeline, okay? In a February 8th interview, this is according to the Washington Post. In a February 8th interview with the Washington Post, Flynn categorically denied discussing sanctions with Russian ambassador Sergei Kristliak, repeating public assertions made in January by top Trump officials. So Vice President Pence had said that, that, that Flynn never talked to Kislyak about, about sanctions, and so did Sean Spicer. One day after the interview, Flynn revised his account. He told the Washington Post through a spokesman he couldn't be certain the topic never came up. U.S. intelligence reports during the 2016 campaign showed Kislyak was in touch with Flynn, according to officials. Communications between the two continued after Trump's victory on November 8th, according to officials with access to intelligence reports on this matter. So Trump officials, including, as I say, Spicer and Vice President Pence, they had said the same thing to the media that, that Flynn had said, which is that he never talked sanctions. Now, does, is any, would this have been a big deal even if he did talk sanctions? Again, I don't really see why it would. I don't see why it would. Nonetheless, he has now resigned. Supposedly, he resigned. The reason that they're giving for him resigning is because they say that he lied to Pence, that he told Pence he didn't discuss sanctions. He actually discussed sanctions, Flynn, and then Pence went on national TV, and then he was undercut by the fact that Flynn had actually talked sanctions, and so he had to go. Maybe. Maybe. I find it highly doubtful that that couldn't be fixed with an apology. That Donald Trump couldn't have just gone to Flynn and said, you need to apologize to Pence. I understand that you didn't think Pence needed to be on the loop on that, but he needs to be in the loop on that. You need to issue a public apology, and we all move on with our lives. It, it, the, the idea that that was enough to, to fire him, that doesn't seem particularly plausible. Here's Flynn's resignation letter. So here's what he said. He said, in the course of my duties as the incoming national security advisor, I held numerous phone calls with foreign counterparts, ministers, and ambassadors. These calls were to facilitate a smooth transition and begin to build the necessary relationship between the president, his advisors, and foreign leaders. Such calls are standard practice in any transition of this magnitude. Okay, that seems like a pretty good excuse for everything that right there. He says, unfortunately, because of the fast pace of events, I inadvertently briefed the vice president-elect and others with incomplete information regarding my phone calls with the Russian ambassador. I've sincerely apologized to the president and the VP, and they've accepted my apology. 
You would think that would be the end of it, right? But no, he actually resigned. And then he goes on to talk about how he's tendering his resignation and he's honored to serve President Trump. And he wants to thank Trump for his personal loyalty and the friendship of people he worked with throughout the hard-fought campaign. And he talks about President Trump's leadership, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there are a bunch of theories floating around about what actually happened here, because here's the deal. Okay, there are a bunch of leaks that came out of the administration suggesting that Flynn had actually talked sanctions on the line. But it was Trump that had to fire him. Trump had to accept the resignation. Okay, so this is on Trump. The real question here is why Trump why he accepted the resignation. We understand why the intel community is targeting Trump. A lot of the intel community was appointed under Obama. We understand there are members of the intel community who are upset with the idea that Trump might be close to the Russians. Okay, those are leaks. They're not good, and Trump has responded to that. We'll get to the leaking in just a second. But the real question here is why Trump accepted the resignation in the first place. And there are a few theories floating around, so I'm just going to offer you the theories, and you decide for yourself based on evidence as it comes in. Theory one is he lied to Pence, he, and presumably, Trump didn't know about it either, right? And so Flynn basically went rogue and lied to everybody about having discussed sanctions on this call. Do I think that's a super plausible theory? No, I don't think it's a super plausible theory that he was discussing sanctions on this phone call with the Russians, and he lied to everybody, and that pissed off Trump so much that Trump had to let him go. That, that does not seem super plausible to me, specifically because Trump knew one month ago that this was the case, and then he proceeded to appoint Flynn anyway. So that seems implausible. There's another theory, and I think this is the most plausible theory, which is that Trump said to Flynn, you go ahead and you talk to the Russian ambassador, say what you want to say. He didn't explicitly tell him to talk about sanctions, but Flynn talked about sanctions, and then there was blowback, and Trump didn't like the blowback, and so he threw Flynn under the bus. So Flynn offered his resignation, and there was all of these leaks coming out, suggesting strong ties between Flynn and the Russians, despite the fact that people have been accusing Flynn of this for literally months, and Trump had gone along with him. And so Trump said, okay, you have to go, and he used the, the Pence thing as sort of a pretext. Then there's theory three, which is that Pence and Reince Priebus, the, the RNC chair, they have enough sway within the administration to force Trump to toss Flynn out on his ear for lying to them. Again, I find that implausible. Trump's the president of the United States. If Pence doesn't like it, Pence can stick it. I mean, Trump's the one with the power. And then finally, there's the fourth theory, and this is the one the left is glomming onto, and that's the theory that the real reason that Trump decapitated Flynn is because he thought that this was going to lead back to him, that he actually told Flynn, go make nice with the Russians. He was afraid that that was going to come out, and then it did start to come out, so he decapitated Flynn, hoping that would end the story. Right? That's, that's sort of the, the theory that the left is relying upon. One thing is clear. There is absolute chaos inside the administration. So yesterday we played a clip of Stephen Miller, the advisor to, to senior advisor to, to President Trump, talking about how to say that we are in control of events is a significant understatement. That's not what it looked like today. And again, if you're rooting for Trump to do well, then you need him to do better than this. If you're rooting for Trump to have a successful presidency, you need him to do better than this. And don't worry, we'll talk about the Democratic hypocrisy because there's tons of it. We'll talk about the media wanting to get Trump because it really is vicious and, and nasty and drooling. But first, we have to talk about what's actually going on. So, yes, there is chaos inside the administration. That chaos was, was on full display yesterday. Kellyanne Conway goes on national TV. This is like 3.20 in the afternoon Pacific time. She goes on national TV and she says that General Flynn has Trump's full trust. Yes, General Flynn does enjoy the full confidence of the president, and this is a big week for General Flynn. He's the point of contact for many of these foreign visits. If you look at the official schedule, today we had the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, here, obviously, for bilateral meetings. On Wednesday, we're welcoming uh, Benjamin Netanyahu here to the White House. And uh, behind the scenes, they're doing a number of different meetings where they're talking about trade, they're talking about terrorism, security, the fact that Canada and the U.S. are like this, very... But the bottom line is she says that Flynn has Trump's full trust. 
And then literally within an hour, so I guess that's about four o'clock Eastern time. So literally within an hour, Sean Spicer comes out and issues a statement saying we're going to be releasing a statement about this. So clearly one hand is not talking to the other in any of this. And remember, Donald Trump said just like last Friday that he had no idea what was going on with Flynn. He hadn't been reading any of the reports. He said he didn't know what reports that people were even talking about. This is clip 19. Okay, he hasn't seen it, he'll look into it, except that the reports say that he was briefed on it over a month ago. Okay, so there's a lot of confusion happening, and then finally, Flynn is gone, and Paul Ryan comes out and says that Trump made the right decision on the Flynn resignation. National security is perhaps the most important function or responsibility a president has. And I think the president made the right decision to ask for his resignation. You cannot have a national security advisor uh, misleading the vice president and others. So I think the president was right to ask for his resignation. Okay, so um, even and, there, and even I, there, there's a communications gap because Trump says that Flynn offered his resignation, and now Ryan is saying that Trump asked for his resignation, right? So there's all sorts of communications gaps here and a lot of confusion as to what exactly is going on. One thing is clear, we're not, we, we don't know all the facts yet. So all we can do is wait to hear all the facts. Again, I'm puzzled. The reason I'm, I'm you know, talking about this and the reason I think it's interesting is because I'm puzzled as to why any of this was fireable. I just don't see, like, of all the things that people around Donald Trump have done throughout the campaign and afterward that, are, that merit firing, it seems to me that talking to the Russians about sanctions before you actually take office is like the last thing on the list. That's really low on the list. And fibbing to Mike Pence and Sean Spicer, you think that Trump cares deeply about that? Maybe he does. If so, that'd be the first time that he's, he's really been that tight with, with either of those guys. And Paul Ryan obviously is part of the sort of Ryan's previous wing that wants to see Flynn go. So there's a lot of talk today about the conflict inside the administration between Steve Bannon and his wing of the administration and the, and the Ryan's previous wing of the administration because Bannon's outlets like Breitbart today, they're pushing Priebus. Like the, the headline at Breitbart today was that basically Priebus is responsible for Flynn's ouster, even though Trump is the one who did the firing. So a lot of confusion reigning. So the best available explanation, the easiest available explanation, and the minimum explanation is that there's a lot of amateurishness and incompetence happening at the highest levels with regard to with regard to this particular issue. And that's not a good thing. Now, there's another issue that may be even deeper. There's another issue here that may be even deeper, and that is the leaks. So Again, we don't, because we don't know the extent of what exactly happened here, why Trump fired Flynn, again, that's the big question. Why did he accept the resignation? There is a secondary question, and this is what Trump is focusing in on. Trump tweeted out today that well, the real issue here is the leaks. Why, why is his administration so damn leaky? He tweeted out, the real story here is why are there so many illegal leaks coming out of Washington? Will these leaks be happening as ideal on North Korea, etc.? Trump is obviously very frustrated with the intelligence community. He's been saying that they've been leaking about him for literally months, and he's not wrong. They have been leaking about him for for literally months. There's a certain irony to Donald Trump being very angry at leaks, considering that for literally a year and a half, he was happy with leaks so long as they helped him. Now he's unhappy with leaks if they don't help him. But it does demonstrate that the intel community, the the, the so-called deep state, is very invested in hurting Donald Trump and taking out a lot of people around him. Is that for good reasons? Is that for bad reasons? We don't know, but it's not a good thing, okay? The intel community is not supposed to be waging war against the administration that it's that it's supposed to be serving. Uh, and so Trump has a point here. He does have a point. Now, it still doesn't answer the question, right? 
the, the intel community could be leaking and Trump could have just said, so what? Leak what you want. I'm keeping Flynn. Deal. But he didn't. And so that keeps that first question, what is Trump doing on the table? But yes, the intel community and their focus on Trump uh, is going to be a, a long-standing problem for Trump. I'm not sure how he cleans house. I'm not sure what he does about it. So two things can be true at once. The leaks can be really egregious and they can be really heavy. And second, there could be something nefarious going on inside the Trump administration, and we have to have an explanation as to why Trump actually fired Flynn. If nothing bad was happening here, as again, I'm looking at the scandal, and I don't see the scandal. Like, where's the scandal? Why is it a scandal that the, that the future NSA talks to the Russians? I, I don't get it. That Trump thought it was enough of a scandal to fire somebody, so we're not getting the full story in all of that. And that's, and that's a problem. It's still raising you know, credibility issues. Matt Lauer interviewed Kellyanne Conway about this, and you can see the confusion. You can see the fact that we now have a scandal on our hands because of what appears to be sort of a cover-up from the Trump administration. Here's Matt Lauer with Kellyanne Conway, and Kellyanne looks really bad in this exchange. Well, that's, that's one characterization. But the fact is that General Flynn continued in that position and was in the presidential daily briefings, was part of the leader calls as recently as yesterday, was there for the prime minister's visit from Canada yesterday. And uh, as time wore on, obviously the situation to become unsustainable Kelly, and that, that, Gen General Flynn that makes no sense last month the Justice Department warned the White House that General Flynn had misled them and that as a result he was vulnerable to blackmail and, and, and at that moment he still had the complete trust of the president Matt I'm telling you what the president has said which is that uh, he's accepted General Flynn's resignation, and he wishes him well, and that we're moving on. There are th at least three candidates, very strong candidates, that will be considered for a permanent position here. Obviously, General Keith Kellogg is the acting national security advisor starting today, and the president is moving forward. And she continues by saying, we're not going to say what we knew and when we knew it, which is never a good sign. OK, you never want an administration saying that we're going to get to the hypocrisy of the Democrats in the media here in just a second, because it is rich. It is rich. There's there's absolutely rich, disgusting hypocrisy from the Democrats in the media. The media are claiming this is the biggest cover up, the biggest story since Iran-Contra. Absolute garbage. Not true. The Obama administration was replete with corrupt, nasty officials doing corrupt, nasty things who were never fired by Obama. At least Trump fired Flynn. OK, so we still have to know why. I think that's the big question here, because, again, I don't see what Flynn did that was so wrong here that an apology couldn't have solved. But the idea that this is unprecedented, that this is something new, that this is the worst since Iran-Contra, bunch of crap, just absolute crap. The national security advisor under Barack Obama, Ben Rhodes, was literally a fiction writer who literally wrote a fictional story about how Iran had reached out to the United States, the moderates in Iran, over an Iran nuclear deal. The entire media swallowed the entire thing whole. And then, and then Rhodes came out and said, yeah, I fooled y'all, and no one cared. Okay, Susan Rice, the U.N. ambassador, went on national television and lied, what was it, 13 times about how a YouTube video was responsible for what happened in Benghazi? Or she was lied to by the CIA, it's the same sort of situation. And no one seemed to care on the left. So there's rich hypocrisy happening all over from the Democrats to the media. But we'll get to that in just a second. To see that, you're going to have to subscribe to DailyWire.com. Head to DailyWire.com right now for the rest of the show. $8 a month will buy you a subscription. And if you buy the annual subscription right now, you get a free copy of The Arroyo, which is a terrific fictional film made by our very own Jeremy Boring about the southern border and the, and the, the war that's happening on the southern border. It really, in some ways, presaged a lot of the immigration debate that's been happening in the country for the last two 
few years. Very good film. The Arroyo, you can get that for free when you subscribe annually at dailywire.com. Plus, the Shapiro store is coming, and all sorts of future goodies are coming to dailywire.com. So check that out. We are the largest conservative podcast in the nation. So first, I want to talk about the, the media's absolute desire to get Donald Trump here. I mean, they are jubilant. They are over the moon on all of this. Again, which begs the question, why did Trump give in? Right? Why didn't Trump just stick by Flynn? It still begs that question, but or it still requires that question to be asked. But the media, I mean, they smell blood in the water now, and it's really ugly. So CNN has a commentator named Nia Malika Henderson, and she is, you can see, the, the press are just over the moon. You can even see in that Lauer clip. I mean, he, he's basically extraordinarily close to orgasm. And CNN's Nia Malika Henderson also very ecstatic about all of this. I'm sure that, you know, there's someone in the White House who may be looking at this as a glass half full opportunity. Does this offer any type of opportunity to the White House? You imagine uh, some people might be looking uh, at this as sort of a reset to get this story uh, off the radar, off the front pages of papers like The Washington Post uh, and The New York Times. Uh, and others might be looking at it uh, as the press having uh, scored some points against this against this White House. I mean, we know that this is a White House that has an ongoing feud uh, with many different outlets. Uh, and so in that way, I imagine there are going to be a lot of different views in this White House. As we know, uh, there are all sorts of feuding camps. Everybody is so excited in the press. They're so excited. And again, makes you ask the question, why did Trump give them what they wanted by firing Flynn? Why didn't he just stick by him? He could have just tweeted out fake news in all caps like he usually does and said there's nothing here to see if that's what he really believed. CNN's Don Lemon. Lemon, you can see he, he's doing the same routine. He says there's a wake up call for the White House and you can see Lemon is just over the moon. Is this a, is this a, a wake up call, or maybe a reset for this White House that they need to change some of the way that they're they're doing things, maybe with transparency and so forth. And then Mark also said that maybe there are there's more to come when it comes to resignations or rejiggering of staff. One thing I've seen about Donald Trump, and we saw it during the campaign, I think we saw it during his time as a, as a businessman. He's not afraid to, uh, to fire people that aren't carrying their weight. Okay, so and, that's a positive uh, spin from Rick Santorum, whose voice you're hearing there. But the, the point there is Lemon. Everyone in the media this morning is ecstatic. They're tweeting to each other congratulations. They're tweeting to each other about they finally did it, which makes people like me nuts. It makes me nuts. Where were you for eight long years? Barack Obama didn't fire anybody. He didn't fire Lois Lerner. Barack Obama didn't. Barack Obama didn't fire Eric Shinseki at the VA. Barack Obama didn't fire anyone. I mean, he, he, there, there are tons of people at the Obama administration who were involved in really culpable behavior. And many of them just stuck around for years. I mean, Eric Holder served out his full term. Loretta Lynch served out her full term. There are some people who resigned, you know, long after the sins became apparent. But Obama stuck by people who were fully involved in, in culpable criminal activity. I mean, I wrote a whole book about this, The People versus Barack Obama. And Obama stood by them. The press didn't say anything. The press was basically fine with that. They never clamored for anybody's ouster. Now they get an ouster in the first 30 days of an administration, and they're over the moon about it. This, all this demonstrates, folks, the press can stop doing what the press does. What this demonstrates is that Trump better be squeaky clean. Because if he's not squeaky clean, there are going to be people up his ass all day long. I mean, they are going to just be on top of him like white on rice. They are, they are going to not give him any room to breathe. And so Trump had better get his ducks in a row. And right now, it doesn't look that way. Now, speaking of hypocrisy, the Democrats, 
are complete in their hypocrisy. First of all, they're, they're now very, very worried about Trump's ties to Russia. Again, never mind that Barack Obama in 2012 openly said to Dmitry Medvedev, then the president of, of Russia, said to, said to, or the prime minister of Russia, said to him directly that he was going to offer him flexibility in return for Vladimir Putin backing off. Never mind that Barack Obama handed Russia regional leadership in the Middle East. Never mind any of that. Now they're very hot and bothered about Flynn and the ties to the Russians and, oh, it's so terrible. Absolute hypocrisy. These are the same people who still claim that Susan Rice, the own ambassador, didn't lie to the American people, even though she clearly did. Here's Democratic Representative Adam Schiff. He's from out here in California. And Schiff has been calling for Flynn to step down in a full investigation. But here is Schiff talking about how Susan Rice is totally fine. She didn't do anything wrong. This is a crowd that castigated Secretary Clinton for how she handled classified or confidential information. Uh, this is a crowd that castigated Susan Rice, uh, saying quite falsely and unjustifiably that she had somehow misled the country about Benghazi. And here you have Flynn misleading about contacts with the Russians. And you have uh, uh, the president and others at Mar-a-Lago having what should be confidential discussions in a skiff out in the open with patrons. And that of course, doesn't even get to the question of the jacking up of fees at this private country club that inure to the Trump family benefit. Uh, all of this is not exactly what I would call draining the swamp. Okay, so, but Susan Rice is totally fine. By the way, I should correct the record. Lois Lerner eventually offered her resignation. Shinseki eventually offered his resignation and Trump eventually, and Obama eventually accepted it. But there are plenty of other Obama officials who served out far beyond their term. I mean, Shinseki was in office for a long time. Lois Lerner stuck around forever, and Obama continued to maintain her innocence long after it was clear that she had obviously been involved in nefarious activity. Okay, so you know, for all the people who are complaining about what Flynn did here, there, then there are people on the left who are complaining that Mike Flynn uh, did something terrible by talking to the Russians in the first place, and it was just so terrible. Tulsi Gabbard, okay, who is a, an up-and-coming Democrat in the House, and she served in the military, so that means that she has a lot of legitimacy on, on the Democratic side of the House, Democrat from Hawaii. She visited with Bashar Assad in Syria, okay, and while she was there, she was sponsored by a group that apparently has terror ties. That's, that's the, uh, the, the allegation anyway. And she visits Syria and nothing, nothing. The Democrats have nothing to say about that. So they have a member of their own party visiting Syria in the middle of what is as close to a genocide as anything we're seeing on Earth right now. And she visits with the president at the behest of a, of a group that has alleged terror ties. And, and the Democrats have nothing to say. Here's Tulsi Gabbard defending her conduct. Uh, the choice that we are faced with, that the leaders of the United States are faced with, uh, is twofold. Either you have a uh, you you continue conducting this regime change war, uh, continuing to uh, pro prolong and heighten the suffering of the Syrian people uh, by supporting and strengthening and arming uh, groups that are working directly with Al Qaeda, therefore strengthening terrorist groups like Al Qaeda or ISIS. Uh, or on the other hand, you stop supporting these terrorist groups, you stop strengthening. Uh, al-Qaeda, and you engage with the Syrian government, you engage with Assad. She's shilling for the Syrian government. Okay, now, well, one of the things that people have accused Flynn of is they say he violated the Logan Act. Everybody's constantly talking about people violating the Logan Act. The Logan Act suggests that private citizens can't go around forming their own foreign policy. So it was formed, I think it was 1799 is when the Logan Act was created. And it was created when a member of the government went to France to try and negotiate an actual separate peace in the middle of in the middle of uh, a war between the 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 British and the and the French, 
and the and the government said you can't do that. Okay, so it's it's almost never invoked. It's it's very vague. It may be unconstitutional. There are lots of problems with it. But if somebody violated it, it's Tulsi Gabbard, not Mike Flynn. I mean, Mike Flynn was actually a member of the incoming administration. So again, this all it's very puzzling to me. Uh, and I, I hope that we're going to see some more information on it because I'd like to know why Trump actually fired the guy. I'm not sure that that was deserved. I, I think that as much as I disliked General Flynn in that position, and I thought that Flynn's ties to the Russians were troubling. I think that Flynn, uh, his perspective on the world uh, is uh, is in part largely right and somewhat wrong. Uh, I was not a big fan of General Flynn in this position. It's put all that aside. I don't see what caused the firing here, and I don't think we have all the information yet. Right now, Sebastian Gorka, who's a senior Trump aide, he's coming out and saying that all of these leaks bear almost no resemblance to reality. He says, I come in early in the morning at 7 o'clock, open the newspaper, and often I read stories that talk about events where I was in the room the day before, and the story bears almost no resemblance to reality. Sometimes it's 180 degrees out of whack. I have to say maybe 80% of reportage on the White House is just fallacious. Okay, so if that's true, then why didn't Trump say the same thing? Why didn't Trump say the same thing? So it's uh, it's bizarre world. Hillary Clinton, by the way, is uh, is is just a ridiculous person. She then uh, she she has come out and she's tweeted that this is the wages of PizzaGate, basically, because Mike Flynn's son believed in that in the crazy conspiracy that there is a that there is a pizza shop in Washington D.C. that's trafficking in children, sexually trafficking in children. His son is kind of a nut. His son was thrown out of the administration weeks ago. Hillary Clinton's tweeting about it. Hillary Clinton just needs to go away. The question is going to be there, there is a question politically, and that question is how long are Republicans going to go along with this stuff and just shrug it off? And I think the answer is as long as they can. So Tom Cotton, senator from Arkansas, he came out today and he said that Flynn's resignation was just the administration, quote, finding their sea legs. Okay, maybe, maybe. But at a certain point, the chaos is going to, if the chaos continues like this, and it's now been a couple of weeks of chaos between the executive order rollout, which was really bad, and and this Flynn firing, uh, if it continues like this, then there are going to be Republicans who start to defect. And there are going to be Republicans who start to say, we can't get our agenda passed if this sort of incompetence is going to dominate the headlines every single day. Remember, in 2004, Republicans thought they'd won the world and were never going to lose again. And by 2006, Nancy Pelosi was leading the House. And by 2008, Republicans had control of zero branches of government. So you know, we, we've got to be really careful. As Republicans, we've got to be really careful here to make sure that corruption is stamped out. Yeah, there are calls for a full investigation on Trump's Russia ties from Congress. I think that's probably not going to happen. I think Congress is, is going to protect Trump for now. But I think that if Trump continues to have these sort of chaotic issues, then that could quickly materialize in a, in a pretty nasty way for the Trump administration. Okay, time for some things I like, some things I hate, and then we'll deconstruct some culture. I, honestly, I wish I had more good news to talk about today, guys. I wish that I had more, more good news to talk about from Trump. I'd like to see some more good policy out of Trump. I was more than happy in the first couple of weeks to talk about how Trump was doing uh, a good job on policy. I gave him a B plus and an A minus for his two, first two weeks. Last week was a D, and this week is not starting off in promising fashion. But we'll talk things I like. So, as I mentioned yesterday, my, my three-year-old daughter loves Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the original with, with uh, Gene Wilder. And it is a, a great film. I mean, it, it, it does hold up. It's really quirky and weird and odd. It's not the stupid Johnny Depp version. Um, and aside from the bizarre, the bizarre psychedelic 1970s, we're going to go through the tunnel of love and watch chickens get beheaded routine that happens about a third of the way through the film. Uh, the, the rest of the film, you can show to kids so long as they don't understand that the kids are actually in moral danger. So I thought that the best, the best log line for, for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was, Mad Chocolatier invites children to factory, kills them off one by one. 
And because that's that's basically the plot of the film. In any case, here's a little bit of the trip. For those who haven't seen Willy Wonka and Chocolate Factory and you've been stuck under a rock for the last 40 years, uh, here's a little bit of the trailer. hear from you. The world is waiting. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. You're a rotten mean father. You'll never give me anything I want. I won't go to school till I have it. Violet. Call it, mother. Open it, Charlie. Let's see that golden ticket. Wouldn't that be fantastic? about this film. Okay, so a, cu- a couple of quick notes. First of all, the guy who wrote the score uh, was uh, was Anthony Newley, who was actually a big Broadway star. Uh, he he wrote the score to this, and it is a really really good score. A bunch of classic songs in this. Uh, I've got a golden ticket, obviously a classic song. Uh, Imagination, obviously a classic song. Um, the Candyman can classic song, a bunch of classic songs from this film, uh, and it is educational, right? I mean, you've got the Oompa Loompas going around singing about how kids should stop being brats, which is pretty great. Uh, there, there is one, when, when my daughter whines, uh, I do say to her, do you remember the girl from Willy Wonka who, who complains and, and who says, I want it now. You remember that girl? You know what happens to her? And my daughter goes, she went down the chute. So that's right. <laughs> but... Don't worry, she's not terrified. She thinks it's hilarious because she has my sense of humor. In any case, uh, here's my theory about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. My theory about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is that the real villain of the piece is is not... uh, There there really is no villain. If you watch the film, right, not to spoil the ending, but the person you think, Slugworth, the person you think is a villain, he ain't the villain. The real villain of this this movie, and apparently the Honest Trailers came to the same conclusion, I guess, but the real villain of this film is Grandpa Joe. Okay, Grandpa Joe is the real villain of this film because Grandpa Joe, the plot of the movie is that Grandpa Joe has been lying in bed with all four grandparents have been lying in bed literally for 20 years. They're like welfare deadbeats. And the mother, Charlie's mom, has been slaving away at a laundry factory, working the laundry by hand. And Charlie is running papers. He's doing a paper route in order to raise money so that they can take care of these four no-good grandparents who just sit around all day. And the reason I say that they're no good is because Grandpa Joe who spends the entire first part of the film telling Charlie that he's just going to get things because he wants them, right? That's, that's Grandpa Joe's mentality, that you're just going to get that golden ticket because you deserve the golden ticket, which is not the way the world works. Grandpa Joe is sitting there in that bed doing nothing and saying, wouldn't it be great if Charlie had more time to play? He, we should give him more time to play like a child should. And the mother says, well, all four of you are in bed. Literally the minute that Charlie walks, the minute that Charlie walks in with the golden ticket, what happens to Grandpa Joe? Why, look at that. He's on his feet. He's dancing around. He's singing. He's doing an old vaudeville act. Literally within 60, so for tw- he goes, I haven't been out of this bed in 20 years. All you needed was for somebody to win that lottery ticket, and boom, you're out of that bed like a shot, weren't you? So what's happening to you, you old deadbeat? He gets up, and he's dancing around and singing. He's a happy camp, but the villainy doesn't end there. Okay, that's not where the villainy ends. So then they go to the chocolate factory, and Grandpa Joe is basically telling Charlie everything is fine, everything's great. And then he's already seen. Okay, they've already seen that Augustus Gloop is drinking from the Chocolate River and boom, goes right up the pipe, right? Y'all remember this? Okay, Grandpa Joe 
tells Charlie, so they've already realized it's not good to take things that don't belong to you. Grandpa Joe tells Charlie, let's have a bit of this fizzy lifting drink. And it's Grandpa Joe's idea. Right, stupid Grandpa Joe. He's like, let's, let's have some of this fizzy lifting drink. And Charlie, because he's a kid, he's like, okay, let's do it. They get in the fizzy lifting drink. They almost get killed. They finally get down because they discover that burping works. And then at the very end of the film, Grandpa Joe is informed by Willy Wonka that they lose. They get nothing because they broke the rules. They stole fizzy lifting drink. What's Grandpa Joe's response? Not to apologize, not to be contrite. He's, he calls Willy Wonka a cheat and a swindler and then says to, and then says to Charlie, Let's take the, the everlasting gobstopper and take it over to Slugworth, right? Let's take it over there, which was Slugworth's original offer. You give me the everlasting gobstopper, and I'll give you a bunch of money. And Grandpa Joe's willing to take him up on that, so he's a corrupt old man, too. And what happens? Charlie says no, and he gives the everlasting gobstopper back to Willy Wonka, and that's when he wins the big prize. So the entire movie is really about Charlie learning that his grandpa's an idiot. The entire, the entire movie is about how Charlie has to reject the amorality of his, of his leech grandfather and learn, to, and learn to be a good moral person in spite of his leech grandfather saying he deserves everything in the world, including taking other people's stuff. That's my conservative take on Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Okay, time for some things that I hate. So there's been a spate of a bunch of people saying they're never going to do business with anything Trump-related because Trump, 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 he's the worst thing ever. He's so terrible. First of all, I don't know how you can call Trump an autocrat after he just had to fire one of his own people out of what looks to be sure incompetence. Okay, You can't be both an absolute incompetent and authoritarian. You actually need to be competent in order to be an authoritarian. Magic Johnson has now come out and he says, I'm not going to stay at Trump hotels anymore. He told that to TMZ Sports. What do you think about Dolan's move to sit next to Latrell? Was that a good move, at least? Uh, hey, I don't know. You're at the Ritz Carlton now. Do you still stay at Trump hotels? Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore? <laughs> All right, brother. Good to see you. Okay, nobody's staying at Trump hotels anymore. It's just terrible. No one will stay. And, and I mean, there are a bunch of pop culture figures who are doing the same thing. The Rock, Steph Curry, uh, both of them came out and ripped Under Armour because, they, because I think they're both clients of Under Armour. Uh, and, uh, and Under Armour's owner said that Trump was an asset to the country which is something that at least half the country believes. But his own performers say, oh, that's terrible. You can't have things like... They're still taking Under Armour's money, by the way. Uh, This notion that you can't associate with any of the Trump hotels because you don't like Trump's policy or you don't like Trump, it's so over the top. It's so over the top. Okay, like, I understand you don't want to enrich Trump. You have every right to do it. I'm not saying that Magic Johnson doesn't have the right to do all of this. But this is the same thing that's driving Nordstrom's to disassociate supposedly from Ivanka Trump's brand and Sears is disassociating from Ivanka Trump's brand. If we're really going to do this routine where we can't engage in business with anybody but the people we disagree, the people with whom we agree, then it's going to become a very ugly culture very quickly. We're going to not be able to do commerce. We're not going to be able to to sit with each other and, and talk because we're going to hate each other so much that even pure conversation is out of line. Again, I don't see what, if Trump Hotels offers a good product. And they're not supporting anything overtly evil. And I haven't seen them supporting genocidal mania yet. Uh, you know, then it seems to me over the top to, to be pursuing these sort of business vendettas against people for their personal beliefs. I'm, it's not something I'm a fan of. Okay, time for a little bit of deconstructing the culture. So I said yesterday that I would save my Grammy's commentary uh, for today. And so I shall. So there are a few things that are worth commenting on. First of all, just to demonstrate how much of a shock culture Hollywood has become, and these are people just desperate for attention all the time. And take a look at some of the outfits from this from this thing. Uh, CeeLo Green showed up dressed like what looks like R2D2 and C3PO had a love child, um, and 
he, he's dressed in all gold, if you can't see it, and he has some sort of weird insignia on his head, and he's wearing some sort of mask that's painted over in all gold. Somebody did a hysterical a hysterical Photoshop thing where they, they pasted CeeLo Green in this outfit into all of the backgrounds of Trump's hotel photos. And so it's just like a statue of CeeLo Green standing amongst the gilded halls of, of Trump Tower. <laughs> and it's really funny. We'll have to grab it for tomorrow. Uh, so, but yes, if you wonder if the people in Hollywood are desperate for attention, yes, the answer is they are. Uh, and then he wasn't the only one with a ridiculous outfit. There's some other lady who's dressed like she emerged from a Chuck E. Cheese ball crawl. Um, I don't know who this is. I guess this is Girl Crush recording artist. I have no idea who this is, but she wants attention. And so she looks like she's a mermaid who just emerged from the Chuck E. Cheese. And she has no legs, but she does have a ball crawl strapped to her waist, which is really weird. Um, I, don't, I don't really know what to say about that other than what? Uh, and then finally, uh, there was the lady who made all the hubbub. And this is just smart marketing. Uh, th- I've never heard of this lady before. You know what her, who this lady is? Uh, she, she, she made all sorts of headlines because uh, she came in a MAGA dress. Right? This, this lady showed up, uh, I guess her name is Joy Villa, Joy Villa. I don't know how to pronounce it. Never heard her music. Don't know if she's any good. Her, she was really obscure. Her, her 2014 album, I Make the Static, was ranked 543,500 on Amazon. She shows up to the, to the Grammys wearing a Make America Great Again dress. And her, albums, and her album goes all the way to number one. The top six entries on the Movers and Shakers on Amazon were all works by Villa. Did she actually do anything good? Did she actually, are her songs good? I don't know. I've never heard them. But this is the beauty of trolling in today's society. You can troll the crap out of people just by, just by wearing anything associated with Donald Trump. The great irony and, and the hilarious thing about all of this is that the dress was created by a guy named Andre Soriano, who I guess, uh, I think he's gay, and I think he, he's also a Filipino-born designer. So he's an immigrant. So he's a gay immigrant creating a MAGA dress for a black lady to be worn on, uh, on, the, on the Grammys. So that is pretty spectacular. And, uh, and she said that she urged her followers to see the person over the politics. Um, and uh, she said, sometimes you got to be free to express yourself. Thank you to all of my supporters and fellow believers. Life is about living free and loving it. Be your beautiful selves tonight. Go big or go, or, go, or go home. You can either stand for what you believe or fall for what you don't. Above all, make a choice for tolerance and love. Agree to disagree. Okay. That seems nice. Everybody went nuts on her on the left. This, of course, drove her sales to new heights. So basically, she did the same routine that everybody who's smart is going to do now. She's just going to say Trump over and over until people pay attention to her. Uh, And in Hollywood, the best way to gain attention is by doing this. Okay, but the real cultural commentary comes from Beyonce. Yes, Queen Bey, she who must be worshipped, the greatest person who has ever graced our planet, the greatest artist ever to grace the international stage, the Beethoven of rhyme. The Mozart of lyric, the Ravel of harmony. Okay, so 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 Beyonce uh, does a routine, and and now everybody is celebrating the fact that Beyonce is making a big deal out of the fact that she's pregnant with twins. So Taylor, actually, our makeup artist, she's very upset with Beyonce for making a big deal out of this, actually, because she says that the entire album of Lemonade is about how ticked off she is at Jay Z, and how Jay Z's a scumbag. And then she gets pregnant from Jay-Z, and now she's flaunting her belly. Okay, so she does this routine, and here's a little bit of what the routine looked like on the Grammys. For those who can't see, it's Beyonce wearing a belly-bearing kind of bikini, and she's got a yellow sheet that she's wrapping around herself. And now it flashes to she's wearing this bedazzled gown. And now she's dancing with a bunch of other women. By dancing, I mean she's sort of swaying awkwardly. 
and she's wearing a crown, and she obviously, there's obviously some sort of pagan fertility, right? I mean, isn't that what it looks like here? I mean, with all the people surrounding her wearing masks and such, looks like an Egyptian fertility, right, or something. So, there are a few things to, to say about this particular performance. There's a point where she did a routine where she looked like she was doing the Last Supper, like she's Jesus, and then she did the Ascension, like she's Jesus. Again, very easy for artists to use Christian tropes. I would just once like to see her do a Muhammad imitation up there if she's going to, if she's going to you know, do the feminist Jesus routine. But that's not happening. So it's this it's basically a pagan fertility rite that they do on stage and they link it with Christianity and the left loses their mind because Beyonce can do no wrong. Beyonce has never done anything wrong ever, ever, ever. So a few things. One, I'm glad that people like that Beyonce's pregnant. If Beyonce decided to abort those kids tomorrow, presumably the same left would say they're no longer babies. So they're babies right now because Beyonce likes them. If Beyonce decides they're not babies, then she can just stab those suckers out of her womb. So I like that that's the way that the left thinks. That's kind of wonderful. But listen to Kevin Fallon of The Daily Beast. Quote, dressed as the Madonna and cradling her pregnant belly, Beyonce gave a jaw-dropping celebration of motherhood and femininity that left the audience stunned. We needed it. We, what? <laughs> really? She, he said that she slayed the patriarchy. Okay, last I checked, the patriarchy is totally fine with pregnant women. In fact, I thought that was the whole problem feminists had with the patriarchy, is that the patriarchy was fine with pregnant women. Fallon said, Beyonce, our Lord and Savior, had arrived. She styled herself as the Madonna, down to the serene smile on her face and the ethereal glow that radiated off the screen. There, at the beginning of this thing, it didn't show Beyonce saying it. She said, do you remember being born? Are you thankful for the hips that cracked, the deep velvet of your mother and her mother and her mother? Your mother is a woman, and women like her cannot be contained. I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. Like, thanks, Mom, for having me. Thanks, sweetheart, for having our babies. Yeah, that seemed tough. Wouldn't want to do it. Um, what? <laughs> I, I appreciate the miracle of birth, but suddenly the left likes pregnancy? This is a new one. The left has been saying that pregnancy is a burden to women for literally my entire lifetime and beyond. Bill Clinton is still a hero to feminists without respect for women. Feminism still says motherhood should be secondary to career. Feminism says children aren't children unless women deem them so. But here's Beyonce talking about pregnancy and suddenly they're over the moon, which just shows that for feminists, it's just idolatry. There's no real ideology. There's no consistent system of ideas here. It's not that pregnancy is always good or babies are always babies. It's just they find figures who they want to label left and who are anti-right, and then those figures can do anything and it becomes slaying the patriarchy. Like, I, I'm not sure how a pregnant woman cavorting about on stage celebrating pregnancy and motherhood destroys the patriarchy. If you did this in front of Donald Trump, people would say that it was pandering to the patriarchy. So it's, it's amazing that for the left, none, nothing matters except the worship for particular idols. And Beyonce is one of their idols, which is why they call her Queen Bay, because they actually would crown her queen if they could. Okay, we'll be back tomorrow. Hopefully we'll have some more more news on Trump's on Trump and Flynn. Hopefully we'll have some more good news to report and less chaos. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free 
should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 